This is going to be a two-parter. Um, this is important. I want to present this in a little bit more of a um, in a little bit more of a fuller account, and I really want to present this point. And you know, I remember one time. It's important. It's the story of the world. Everybody works. You know, we've been seeing this thing here in terms of the pandemic, essential workers versus non-essential workers. And how else do you sustain your life? Through work. How do you feed yourself? Through work. How do you find a certain level of meaning in, in your life? Through work. How else do you... Maintain your body through work. What is your whole livelihood built around? Work. And I remember one time, um, this so-called friend of mine, I was working with him as a temp laborer. One day we're having a couple beers. This was back in my day when I was drinking. You know, we're shooting the shit, uh, having a few beers and... You know, we were, we were going to work on this project together. You know, he was a bit of a music production guy. I was doing stand-up comedy, spoken word type of stuff. So it's like, yo, why don't we collaborate on this little spoken word comedy little bit or whatever. It was just something to do. We were drunk and high. We get to talking about it. And, you know, I was going off about the work in person. And then he turns to me and he goes, uh... Who cares that we're temp laborers? Who cares that we're construction workers? Who cares about people who work? And I remember just looking at him like, this is what life, this is what our civilization is built around. Work. Everyone should care about this. Look, I'm not just saying this shit to say this. What the fuck are you doing right now? You might be at work listening to this. What are you doing tomorrow? You're probably going to work. How are you going to support your family? Probably through work. Where do you find meaning in your life? Well, one very important side of your life and a way to find meaning is through your work. I'm not just saying these things to say them. (laughs) And it's fucking jaw-dropping the basic level of control and backwardness and pettiness and inefficiency and dickheadness, swarminess that goes on in the workplace. And, you know, I definitely have something to add to that message. Walk one, ladies and gentlemen. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent May 31st in the year of our Lord, 2021. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. So I'm walking down the street the other day, you know. Gorgeous summer, beginning of summer, sunshine, ray of sunshines, 
beaming, beautiful. I see this like lowly, shiftless looking character. He's got one of them like handheld blowtorches. You know when people be smoking like, you know, crack or like, uh, you know, I think they call them dabs, like concentrated TC. It's like a little handheld blowtorch, you know. You know, a little handheld blowtorch. He's torching a bicycle lock. On a beautiful sunny day, downtown, well, semi-downtown Toronto, you know. It's a little neighborhood, Cabbage Town, in Toronto, Canada. Sunny day, urban metropolis. This guy, he's blowtorching a bicycle lock. You know? Plumes of smoke everywhere. You know, one of the first times in a while I was fortunate that I was wearing a mask, you know? Only because only because I was about to enter a grocery store. I mean, otherwise I would have just been, you know, balls of swinging, cock right out, rocking out with my cock out, no mask, right? But because I was about to enter a grocery store, I had the mask on. Thankfully, this fucking guy's blowtorch in a bicycle lock. Plumes of smoke everywhere. <laughs> I walked on by like a coward, right? I'm like, whatever, right? But like if you've ever had your bicycle stolen, it is a real kick to the nuts, right? So I was like, I don't like this one bit. What am I just a coward? I'm just gonna like walk by and just to let somebody steal a bicycle right out from under my nose, right? Imagine how that poor kid must feel getting his old bicyclette stolen, right? So I go back out and I go, hey buddy, is that your bicycle? He goes, what? Yeah, it's my bicycle. What? What? I was like, oh, it's your bicycle, is it? Oh, yeah. Well, we'll see what the cops have to say about that. And I grabbed my cell phone, right? I'm like, I'm, I'm calling the cops, right? I'm on the phone. I'm like, ah. but I was like just bluffing, you know, <laughs> like I wasn't even I wasn't even past the uh, dial screen. You know, I'm like on the dial screen. I'm like, what's the number for 911? No, it's not an emergency. It's not like an allergic reaction. It's not like Oh my God, it's an emergency. Give somebody the Heimlich maneuver. It was like, you know, bicycle theft. So I was like, well, what's the number for like, you know, uh, I don't know, like a, you know, a kerfuffle. What's the, what do you, who do you, wh- who do you call in the midst of a kerfuffle? Right? So I'm like looking for the kerfuffle police number. I'm like, oh, kerfuffle? I'm fumbling around on the dial page. The guy's like, what are you doing? No, don't call the cops. No, no, what are you doing? It's my bike. It's my bike. I'm like, well, you're acting a little abnormal, wouldn't you say? He goes, what's abnormal? What's abnormal? What's abnormal? What are you talking about? I'm like, well, you're blowtorching a bicycle lock, plumes of smoke everywhere, cancer. Have you heard of it? You know, it's a little abnormal to be huffing plastic fumes in the middle of a fucking packed sidewalk, buster. I'm calling the cops, right? And I'm fuddling around with the dial page, right? He's like, it's not even... He's like, the bicycle's not even locked. It's not even locked. And he starts, like, banging the bicycle up and down, right? Like, lifting the bicycle up and down. I'm like, oh, he's right. The bicycle isn't even locked. Then his buddy pops out from a store, right? His buddy was, like, in a adjacent store. His buddy pops out and goes, hey, what's going on? He's like, that guy's gonna call the cops on me. And I'm just standing there like, uh... Yeah. 
So then his friend goes and locks his bike up to his bike. So I'm looking like a real fucking dildo at this moment, right? I'm like, oh no. So I turned to the guy, right? I'm just like, hey, look, dude, I'm sorry. Um, yo, like there's just been a lot of craziness lately in the neighborhood, you know, pandemic pending, a lot of nonsense in the neighborhood. And I mean, it was a little abnormal. I mean, I mean, like 10 to 1, somebody blowtorching a bicycle lock in the middle of a packed sidewalk, plumes of plastic smoke in the air, like 10 to 1, that's a fucking bicycle theft. Like, come on. I mean, can you really blame me? And you know what a kick in the nuts it is having your bicycle stolen, especially if you're a bicyclette person yourself, right? Hope you can level with me, bud. Like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And he goes, oh yeah, okay. And like, he was like really sincere about it. He's like, yeah, okay. And he like went to like shake my hand or fist bump me or something, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, you want a fucking hug? Like, <laughs> I just accused this guy of being a bicycle theft thief. And he's like trying to hug me and shit. I'm like, uh, look, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I was wrong. No need for handshakes and hugs. Right. Just get the fuck out of here, right? And I just kind of turned around and walked off. Thought I'd share that with you. I could have been shot. Anyways, if you're new to the show, Jonathan Rantran, the podcast. This is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever, you know? We sweat, we uh, spits. We talk current events, entertainment, politics, the times of the time, the whole kit and caboodle, folks. You can't go wrong. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan-Ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, if you are digging the show, folks, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know it truly is. Not to guilt trip you or anything, but you know. <laughs> yeah. And if you're returning to the show, if you're new to the show, if you know, if you know, if you may or may not know, I am an actor extraordinaire. <coughs> Diploma in... <coughs> Theater arts. <laughs> That's been to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it, you know? I've been humping it out as an actor for many a year now, you know? Got that gift to gab. <laughs> Pardon moi, folks. Must be the coffee. <sighs> you know? I am currently accepting auditions. There is a paid online job board that I subscribe to as an independent artist, as an independent actor, where I get, um, you know, notices for various paid gigs, paid work. Commercials, short films, indie projects, sometimes even feature films. Um, 
it runs quite the gamut. Now, I'm not always so keen about, you know, sticking my nose in other people's business. Part of the problem when you're a gun for hire is, yo, you got to be willing to serve the project. It's not about you. It's about the project. Jonathan Ramcharan, you know, I think I have a certain level of talent. I think there's a lot yet to be seen from me. There's, there's a lot that I can do once I, you know, really sink my teeth into something, right? Well, when you're a gun for hire, a swinging dick, I mean, yo, it's not about you. It's about the project. So a lot of these times, these projects, I mean, I don't know, like hemorrhoid cream commercials, COVID-19 testing commercials. Oh, there's a new app. We want somebody to do a funny, whimsical, a.k.a. boring, uh, you know, little bit for like a online advertisement, advertisement, you know? It's a real kick in the nuts in terms of ego. I mean, everyone thinks they're a star, right? So um, I haven't always been so jazzed, so to say, like to take these work, to take this type of work, to pursue it. Who knows where it really leads and what's the point of it. But lately I've been open to. We'll see. You know what I mean? Uh, Even saying that right now, it's somewhat defeatist. It's almost like a... um, What's the word? Self-fulfilling, a self-fulfilling, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Prophecy. You know, it's like, you, you know, you talk negative, negative shit's going to happen. So that's not what I'm trying to say and that's not what I'm trying to be about. But I'm very aware of the reality. When you take this type of work, it's about the project. It's not necessarily about me. You know? I am a multifaceted actor, I like to believe. I think I'm capable of some engaging, intriguing, complex characters, roles, responsibilities as a thespian. You don't quite get to shine them sometimes in these little projects. But, you know, if it's good enough for the goose, good enough for the gander, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to take a peek. You know, I'm going to see what the, what's available. You know, and um, eh, we'll see. You know what I mean? It's been like a couple months. I auditioned for a few of these type of projects in the beginning of the year. I actually got one. Turned out to be a real shit sandwich. You know, I'll post a link. You know, there'll be a little link up above. You know, a little information bulletin you can click on if you want to hear about um, this project that I booked earlier in the year, or maybe it was last year. I don't remember when it was, but it was recently enough. I booked this project, and um, it was a real shit sandwich. I had to quit. I'll post a link to it. You can check it, check it out. So um, I'm gearing up to take on some, you know, auditions. Got no real expectations. We'll just see what's available. And also, I'm working on my own projects, you know, this is a little scriptaloo. A little scriptaloo that I got in my hands here that I, uh, I've been going over for um, some audio recordings, audio plays. I've produced a couple of them. You can check them out on my channel, JR the P Snips. 
Again, I'll post a link. JR the P Snips. I've done a lot of um, audio plays. And, you know, these are little performances that are, um, you know, in the style of radio theater. Very engaging. Theater of the mind, so to speak, you know. And um, check them out when you get the chance. You know, I've got a link up there somewhere or somewhere up there, wherever it is. You know, I've got this link. You can check it out. Some of my audio plays. And um, I'm gearing up for another one. Haven't read this thing in a minute, though. Um, And that's one of the technical aspects of acting that's uh, often underestimated and overlooked and unaccounted for memorization of the script it's a technical aspect in the world of acting i mean everybody wants to shine everybody wants to be a star but a lot of people don't understand the work that goes into it yeah it's not backbreaking labor like working at a coal mine or something like that but um you know it's work in the meticulous craftsmanship sense going over lines memorizing them getting a feel for the project um also blocking a lot of times in a scene there is what we call blocking which is you know the physicality the staging the character gets out of bed gets up scratches his ass walks to the window opens the curtains closes the curtains takes a drink of water goes to the toilet brushes his teeth goes back to bed That's a routine. And you got to be able to fill that routine in the correct sequence. And a lot of times there is dialogue which accompanies these movements. So it's like, you know, it's like walking and chewing gum at the same time. Not any old swinging dick can do it, you know? So um, these technical aspects are very challenging and often overlooked and unaccounted for in the work of an actor. And like um, any actor will tell you, much of the challenge is just getting off book, knowing your lines, knowing the script. So, you know, I got to go over some of these, uh, well, this script. And um, I look forward to that because, you know, my mind's been on other things, the podcast, things in my life, other things. So, um That's going to be fun, fun to sink my teeth into a project that is very much in my grasp, you know? Much of the actor life is, unfortunately, being accountable for the present in hopes of a prosperous future. So you got to stay in shape, you got to stay mentally active, you got to keep your chops up, you got to be ready for that opportunity, and... It's a game of time and patience. So, you know, as I speak about some of these upcoming auditions, I really don't have any particular expectation in mind, but I'm going out with an open mind. So that's what's so exciting about when you do have something tangible to sink your teeth in. Ain't no more wishing and hoping and praying. You can just get down to brass tacks. And that's relatable across industry, whatever you do. You know, um, before you break ground as a contractor, you know, you're on a new construction site, 
you're pitching a tent, you're building a cathedral, whatever the hell you're doing, you know, there's a planning phase, right? Or, you know, as a baker, you know, you got to get the recipe before you make the batch of cookies. I mean, you can't very well bake a batch of brownies without a fucking recipe, right? Planning. So, many factors, many realities, all in a day's work. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. Yes. Quick sip of coffee. Coffee break, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Mmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes. Um, something parallel that I can draw as a uh, reference point. Much of the comics work is uh, dependent upon an audience. Most comedians, I would say all comedians, honestly, all comedians are never above bombing. And that's part of the fun of it. Trying out a new bit, trying out a new joke, venturing into open waters. And um, I'm starting to feel really groovy here because, you know, there's a feeling you get sometimes in comedy when... You step up, uh, you step up on stage with a new joke. Some people, this is, this is debatable, actually. You hear comics talk about this. Should you open with a new joke or open with tested material? I personally throw balls to the wind. Who gives a fuck? Do what you got to do as long as it's a performance. But um, again, there's also the craftsmanship of it. Well, I don't know. Is it more effective to do time tested and true material? Get that first laugh, get that audience confidence, then go into the new material? Or is it more of a free-flowing artistic jazz form where it's like, all right, let me just dip in here with the new stuff, spitball off the top of the head, close it out with some time-tested true material, bada-bing, bada-boom. It's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. I would say in a higher-stake Arena, let's say you're on tour, you're at a club, you're doing a club date, you're on television, you're in front of an arena, God bless you, if that's your career path, trajectory, but you know, the higher the stake, the more technical and in the pocket you want to be, right? So I guess I would venture the safer course in a higher stake situation, you know, you want to deliver. But when you're getting loosey-goosey, getting loose better than Mother Goose, you know, you're on a, you know, you're on a bar gig, open mic, middle of the week type of little set, whatever. Yeah, you can throw caution to the wind a little bit, stretch out. And part of the joy that, you know, honestly, due to pandemic, that haven't been on stage in a live performance since this whole thing began. One of the joys of um, going out on that ledge, I forget, is when it turns. You go out there with something new, you don't know if it's going to work, there's a little apprehension. 
then when you get that laugh, then when you get that rhythm, it's a nice feeling. And um, I guess it's relatable to any career when you take a chance and the idea works. It's a nice feeling. Like, let's say you come up against a problem. As a contractor in the construction trade, all you're really dealing with is problems. I've worked as a laborer. I see what goes on. I'm not a technical tradesperson, but I've worked in the trades industry as a laborer. I see these people at work, and all they're doing all day long is just fixing problems. This thing doesn't work. We have to figure out a way to fix it. That thing doesn't work. We need to figure out a way to fix it. We need to build this. We need to build that. And a lot of times that takes innovation, quick thinking. And, you know, I've seen these people. They, uh, you know, they hit a fork in the road. Oh, shit. We got to dig a couple feet in this direction in order to lay that pipe, to bend this, to do that, to skin him a rinky, dibbly dibbly doo. They come up with a solution. Wow. Quick thinking on your feet in the moment, and it worked. Job well done. Same way with a comic when you're coming up with new shit, coming up with new bits. I had that feeling this very episode, you know? I opened up the show, if you recall, from like, I don't know, 10 minutes ago. If you recall, from the top of the cast, I was babbling on about some fucking guy I bumped into on the street stealing a bicycle. Well, what appeared to be a bicycle thief. It just kind of came to me in the moment, you know, I was like doing my opening bit, you know, you know, it's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran reporting live for duty on this magnificent May 31st in the year of our Lord, 2021. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. What am I going to say? Oh yeah, this guy, this bicycle thief. And I just go into that story and I felt a little trepidation and what the fuck am I doing? And I do a little bit, improvised it in the moment. How did it turn out? It was all so, so, so. But now I'm feeling warmed up, you know? I'm feeling the juices, you know? And now I'm going to bomb for the rest of the episode. But it's like that feeling of when you try something different and it works at least if it's satisfying in the moment and it spurs you onward and it fulfills the situation, if that's relatable, you know? It's that idea of stepping up to the situation in an innovative way, having some success, and going forward. It's a nice feeling in work, you know what I mean? It's what makes it interesting. I'd imagine, you know, whatever you do. So, you know, in the moment, I experienced some of that this very episode. Thought I'd riff on that for a moment. And also, um, dreams. 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 She's making me hot. She's making me hot. I'm going to get you in my dreams. Stop messing with my dreams. Beck. Squeaky chair. But Beck. 
For a white boy, he sure does know how to funk it up. I like that back. I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? Anywho, I've been having some dreams lately, and um, <laughs> I had a couple dreams in comedy, about comedy, as of late. Very tantalizing stuff. I had a dream that um, I was like a comic slash tour manager of two very famous comedians. I don't want to mention their names. No point in me dragging them into this horseshit. But um, I had a dream that I was like on tour with them as a comic slash tour manager in like the 1800s. And I was just like, you know, trying to accommodate them in some cheesy sort of agent way. We're at this like old timey hotel, you know, you know, with this like swinging saloon doors and, you know, fucking prostitutes and plumes of smoke and people playing blackjack and Yosemite Sam with the two fucking holster fucking Colt 45s and... I'm like this tour manager for these comics in the 1800s. I remember I asked one of them, you want me to try to get you a free uh, complimentary country western photo? Like, you know when you go to the fair and you can dress up in like those 1800s Quaker outfits and they take an old-timey photo with the sepia filter? You got that sepia filter, that Quaker getup? I was like talking to the comics. You want me to try to rustle up some free <clears throat> Quaker photos for us? And they're like, yeah, that'd be cool. And I was like trying to get more things on the rider itinerary, you know. You want me to try to book an open mic here? I can try to talk to the manager and book an open mic at this fucking country western saloon. And they're like, yeah, we'd like that. That'd be cool, cool. A little workout space. And it's really strange. And then I had another dream about another very famous comic. And it was like, I was at his house and we were having a, um, it was like a get together. It was like I was a personal friend of his at his home. And there were some other well-known comics and it was like a get together and it felt like family. And it was kind of a sorrowful yet warm feeling in a dream. You know what I mean? Like it felt very good. It felt very loving. It's weird when you got that feeling of love in a dream. You know what I mean? Especially if you'll be living that hard life where, you know, it's it's me against the world, baby. Got nothing to lose, just me against the world, baby. You know, sometimes you get that love feeling in a dream, and then it's like you don't even want to wake up. <laughs> what, wake up to the cold, cynical, unfeeling waters of a fucking wasted world? Like, come on. Take a look around you. Hopefully you have a lot to be grateful for and a lot of love, but I mean, look out the window. Everyone's an animal. 
No love. Bunch of messed up people. Angry and argumentative for no reason. Cynical and self-motivated. Always wanting, never giving. Quick to point the finger, never to take accountability. So where are we living? These Twitter mobs, cancel culture. And then when you have a dream full of love, sometimes you don't even want to wake up from it. <laughs> Sounds kind of depressing. Of course you want to wake up. Life is always the better choice. But it's like finding dreams, finding love in dreams, but none in reality. You're dreaming. It's weird. Weird feeling. And um, I actually have quite a few dreams. I have this one recurring dream as a comedian. I'm going to this... It's not quite an open mic, yet it is an open mic. It's like at a... It's a dream where I show up to this A room. A legitimate stand-up comedy club, an A room. I show up to this legitimate club. I stand in line to get onto the to get onto the show. It's not quite an open mic. It's not quite like a low-level bar gig. It's at an established club, established venue. But in a way, it is. You're just signing up to get on, right? Anybody can sign up. So I have this recurring dream where I show up at this club, and I'm in line, and there's a lot of people that are like famous but yet there's also people from my own reality people that I know and I'm at this club and I'm always trying to get on and you know there's a the little chit chat and banter of comics and again it's a very inclusive warm feeling yet also very fleeting and sort of sorrowful Sort of a sorrowful feeling. Then I wake up. So I guess the parallel here is dreams. Dreams. There's a lot of relatability to the world of dreams across career. You know, it's kind of like when a cat or when a dog dreams of chasing a cat and his legs are kicking. <laughs> little fucker, you know. <laughs> you know, his legs are kicking and he's sleeping and dreaming and barking, sleep barking. It's that feeling of living through your dreams or the subconscious part of your career. The conscious, subconscious part of your career. You have to think about that a little bit more. But uh, that's kind of what's been going on with me lately. As a comedian. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yeah. Coffee break, balls. Don't mind me, balls. Ooh.
So, folks, as you all may or may not know, if you're tuning in for the first time, or if you're an avid JR the P listener, viewer, I had recently begun a job to facilitate my endeavors as a film production entrepreneur. I started my own production company, Noi Productions. And like any business, you got to make money to make money. It takes money to make money. <clears throat> so I worked a Joe job in order to facilitate that. Hey, it's the name of the game, baby. Got to do what you got to do. Noi Productions. You know, I want to venture off into documentary, feature film, more engaging content in the world of podcasting, vodcasting. A lot on the agenda. Noi Productions. Yeah. Well, I recently quit that J that day job. Quit. I recently quit this job, this shipping receiving job that I've been doing for about two and a half months. Let me tell you about it. So, hey, you got to roll with the punches in life, man. Like um, what a lot of times people forget to tell you about life is you got to work. And everybody wants the easy way out. Um, and... I'm happy that I've accepted work. I've always accepted work, no matter how people try to paint it. People try to... If you listen to people, you can lose sight of yourself. And I've had that in my life where I feel like if a person disagreed with me or had a dislike for me, they tried to label me something and say it with their words. I've had coworkers blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah at me. And it had me thinking, oh, are they right? I remember one time, some lady at work, she was always, I had this one job as a barista at Starbucks. <laughs> that job ended with me telling the customer to shut up. Customer was giving me guff about some fucking coffee. I was like, Ugh. The customer goes, what? Excuse me? Got high and mighty with me, right? I looked at him, I was like, yo, shut up. And then my manager was like, okay, Jonathan, you might as well just go home. Because it, like, it was like my last day. <laughs> so it was all good. But um, I was young then. I was like, well, I'm still young, but I was like very young. I was like 20 or something. Just a kid. And, you know, my whole thing is it's never really the job that gets on my nerves. It's the people. People are very imposing. We live in a world of cynicism, self-interest. Nobody really cares. Most people have an agenda. Most people have expectations of others. They walk into a situation uncaring, unfeeling, unthinking. They open their mouth, blah, blah, blah. Take my word as gospel. Listen to me. Respect me. Do as I say. And fuck Anything you have to say. As a matter of fact, fuck you. Then they scratch their head. 
How come people don't listen to me? How come people don't do exactly what I want? Because I too am a person living my life with my own wants and needs. You are forgetting yourself, sir. You're not my lord. You're not my anything. You're just some fucking dickhead talking at me. And in their perspective, it's like, well, yeah, but why aren't they listening to me? <laughs> Unfucking believable. Do as I say, but not as I do. So, a lot of times people forget themselves. And that's my bag. You know, it's like, it ain't really the job that gets, in, gets me. It's the people. So as my explanation there was with that person at Starbucks, it's like, well, to be honest, in that situation, I was young, 20, and I was also working in an industry that I knew I didn't like. I was just desperate for a job. I thought, I'll give it a shot. If Starbucks will hire me, I'll give it a shot. But I knew. I don't like the food industry. Or I don't like a type of job where the customer's watching you do the job. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't like the idea of somebody watching me and breathing down my fucking neck. It's like, yo, just let me do the work and fuck off, right? So that's the problem with a lot of service industry jobs where it's like, you got the customer watching you and talking at you and blah, blah, blah. It's like, fuck off. They think they own you because I spent $3 on a cup of coffee or whatever, right? So in that situation, I was at fault. I mean, I had a, I didn't want to be there, but at least I quit, right? In my own defense, at least I quit. It's not like I just carried on with a shitty job I hated with a horrible attitude. I quickly saw it wasn't for me, so I quit. That is sort of what's going on here with me today. So I take this job as a shipping receiving person. And yo, it was blessed. It was just what I needed. The hours were fine. I was willing to do the work. My supervisor, this lady, she was very imposing. And again, it's never the work, it's the people. Now think about it. I'm not talking about every job. Obviously there are jobs where there has to be a very tight correlation between worker and supervisor. You know? Like if you're fucking building nuclear warheads, you might need, you know, a supervisor to be, hey, what's going on over here? Uh, did you do this? Did you do that? Like peeking over your shoulder, double checking. Or, you know, police work. There's got to be a supervisor to, hey, what's going on in the ranks? What's going on with the troop? You know, military, what's going on here? Are we functioning as a unit? Are we under command? Anything that really does warrant special attention to detail. I get the correlation. But a lot of times there's work that it's like, yo, it's self-explanatory. I'm a shipper receiver. Shit comes into the building. I receive it. Then I go and I put it into the stock. Box comes in. Box goes out. 
What is there to fucking oversee? And if I show up with a good attitude, willing to work, and I prove that to you, at what point are you going to let off the gas? Like, come on. It was like day three, and I'm like, I hate this job already. And I'm, I'm off the heels of working a full-time job as a janitor. I'm talking mop buckets, slop buckets, toilets, tampons, urinals, urinal cakes, parking garages, parking lots, the whole kit and caboodle, ladies and gentlemen. You name it, I've cleaned it, you know? I'd worked previously, my last previous full-time job, to, um, at that time, I was producing Our Righteous Mike, the stand-up comedy show that I produced here in Toronto, Canada. I was busting my ass as a janitor just to support my fucking comedy habit. And um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, I'm a working Joe. I'm a working man. I got to have an income. I'm not, a, I'm not adverse to work. And it was already day three, my third shift of this warehousing job that I recently just quit. And I'm like, I hate this place. I hate it already. I had this overlord, this supervisor. Jonathan, did you do this? Jonathan, make sure to do it. Jonathan, 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 Jonathan. She was like controlling. And this is very interesting. This might just sound like somebody bitching about their job on the internet on YouTube, right? But this is truly the way of the world. This is truly why, and at some point, if I can find a way with all my experience, with all my talent, to turn this into some sort of something of, I mean, right now, this is in the vein of podcasting for entertainment, and there's value, but if I could find a way to even strengthen this value, what I'm talking about here, because this is some real shit. This is the problem in the working world. It's like people don't understand that we we as humans generally resent being controlled. Generally speaking, all humans resent being controlled. We don't want any extra hoopla hogwash nonsense tell me what i need to know then fuck off isn't that fair enough like what more can you want from a coworker or a worker that shows up acceptable attitude willing to work that's what i displayed to them i showed up on time a willing attitude ready to work that was never enough for the supervisor jonathan did you make sure to use the tape like this jonathan did you do she was just basically asking me over and over again jonathan did you do exactly what you're here to do well what the fuck else would i be doing i mean that's literally you're asking me did i do what i'm here to do and it's kind of a redundant question because if you just look at the work that I was called here to do, you would see that it's done. So what the fuck are you asking me? You're trying to control me. You're trying to be in my head. You're trying to let me know I'm watching you. 
Jonathan, did you? Of course I did. Take a look. It's done. But Jonathan, did you? What the fuck do you think? It's done. But Jonathan... Cut the fucking tiddlywinks. You're fucking with me. You're fucking with me. And this is the problem in the working world. People have to be in control. This is the problem why countries are at war, families are at war, friendships are at war, neighbors are at war, strangers are at war. It's that controlling spirit that the average person just engages with. They want to control somebody. They just want to tell somebody what to do. So like by week two of this new job, it's like, oh, it doesn't seem to matter that I show up willing to work with a good attitude and I get my job done. It doesn't seem to matter. This fucking woman just keeps nagging me. Nagging, nagging, nagging. And then also like she was she asked for my fucking personal phone number so she could put it into her records just in case she needs to call me. She asked me for my personal email. She um she was doing all this stuff to control me that was like out of the ordinary. And as I say, it was a shipping receiving job. It should have just been as simple as is Jonathan doing his work? Okay, then just leave Jonathan alone. I mean, isn't that the reward for the hourly worker? Isn't that the reward for like, you know, the basic worker? If they show up, do their job, should they not be reward with, rewarded with a paycheck and peace of mind? Is that asking too much? Just give me my paycheck, shut the fuck up. I showed up and I did the job. What else do you want? But no, they impose. They try to control. They talk at you. We need to talk about me. No, we don't. This is just how you're trying to control me. But we need No, we don't. This is just how you're trying to control me. Think about it. Does Walmart give a fuck about my personal dreams? I wasn't working for Walmart. Walmart actually rejected me. <laughs> You know, I had, I had applied at Walmart at one point. They're like, no, he doesn't cut the mustard. But anyways, like, you know, let's say you go get a job at Walmart. Does Walmart give a fuck that you want to start your own business someday? That you have a family? That you have hobbies? That you have outside interests? That you might need a little bit more money despite what they pay you? That you might have things in your life that are, you know... Outside of the Walmart family? Do they give a fuck? No, they care about Walmart. And then they try to beat it into your head. Blah, 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 blah. We're going to train you on this, get you trained up on that, and teach you about this, and show you this, and show you that, and blah, blah, blah. You got you to gotta make sure that you get certified for this. And, and, and They're just like in your fucking life to control you. And that's what I mean, where it's like, this is why so many companies have high turnover rates you know what i mean high turnover rates it's like look we all know this is a mickey mouse dr seuss mother goose cat in the hat fake ass fucking dummy dilettante dipshit job you know you got me over here stacking boxes instead of trying to control me so i'll stay forever why don't you just treat me fairly and 
The idea being anybody with common sense, oh, this is a decent job that I can do for the purposes of this job. I will show up and do it until I can no longer do it. Then I will, like a man, like a woman, I will resign and, uh, you know, thank you for my time here. But when you try to control people, they get resentful and they fuck off the first chance they get. That's what happens. That's why there's so many companies with turnover rates. They try to control these people for like these little fucking hourly wages. And then they lord over them, make their lives a living fucking hell. They resent it and they're fucking out of there the first chance they get. So, you know... This is going to be a two-parter. Um, this is important. I want to present this in a little bit more of a, um, in a little bit more of a fuller account. And I really want to present this point. And, you know, I remember one time it's important. It's the story of the world. Everybody works. You know, we've been seeing this thing here in terms of the pandemic, essential workers versus non-essential workers. And how else do you sustain your life? Through work. How do you feed yourself? Through work. How do you find a certain level of meaning in, in your life? Through work. How else do you Maintain your body through work. What is your whole livelihood built around? Work. And I remember one time, um, this so-called friend of mine, I was working with him as a temp laborer. One day we're having a couple beers. This was back in my day when I was drinking. You know, we're shooting the shit, uh, having a few beers and... You know, we were, we were going to work on this project together. You know, he was a bit of a music production guy. I was doing stand-up comedy, spoken word type of stuff. So it's like, yo, why don't we collaborate on this little spoken word comedy little bit or whatever. It was just something to do. We were drunk and high. We get to talking about it. And, you know, I was going off about the work in person. And then he turns to me and he goes, uh... Who cares that we're temp laborers? Who cares that we're construction workers? Who cares about people who work? And I remember just looking at him like, this is what life, this is what our civilization is built around. Work. Everyone should care about this. Look, I'm not just saying this shit to say this. What the fuck are you doing right now? You might be at work listening to this. What are you doing tomorrow? You're probably going to work. How are you going to support your family? Probably through work. Where do you find meaning in your life? Well, one very important side of your life and a way to find meaning is through your work. I'm not just saying these things to say them. <laughs> and it's fucking jaw-dropping the basic level of control and backwardness and pettiness and inefficiency and dickheadness, schwarminess 
that goes on in the workplace. And, you know, I definitely have something to add to that message. So, you know, I kind of wrote some loose notes on what happened with my job and I'm starting to realize I want to go deeper. I want to go balls deep on y'all motherfuckers, you know? I want to get down to the nitty gritty and make some interesting points. So I'm going to have to think about this for next week because, you know, the points that I have here, they're just kind of in a comical vein, your typical complaint coming from yours truly. But if you're not considering how you approach your work and life, then you're going nowhere. And I'm not even talking about material. I'm not even talking about the material, physical, tangible world. You're going nowhere financially. You're going nowhere spiritually, even more importantly. You're going absolutely nowhere if you don't consider how you approach your work. Where are you going? <laughs> On welfare? <laughs> like, even that has a price. Welfare. Nothing's free. As my man Exhibit would say, I'm just trying to get my dreams. I'm just trying to fulfill my thing. None of y'all can't take shit from me. Life's a bitch. She ain't fucking for free. Life's a bitch. She ain't fucking for free, folks. You don't just get anything. Ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Maybe the best you can get a free lunch is, like, let's say you truly do have a friend or a family member who wants to make a point. I care enough about you enough that I want to sit you down and pay for your dinner, pay for your lunch. Maybe. Few and far between who are blessed to have that real friend. But there ain't no free lunches. You know? You pay a price. Welfare. You just sit around collecting a paycheck. Well, that disarms you. That takes your spirit away. That fighter's spirit. Now you're just somebody who wastes their days sitting around collecting a paycheck. Disintegrating. What are you? You know, and don't get it twisted. I've been poor my whole life. In the worldly sense. I never felt poor. I don't really even think about it. But I'm technically poor, if you think about it. And, yo, like, there are shitty people. Like, let's just be honest. Some of the shittiest people I've ever met were poor. There's a lot of fucked up, horrible people that are poor. So, you know, it's not like I'm punching down. Like, come on. A lot of people are poor and they're poor because they're assholes and they're shitty people and they're lazy and they're worthless because nothing's free. You're not just getting a free paycheck by collecting welfare or faking a disability. You're selling yourself. You're saying, this is what I'm worth. I'm worth this much and the government can just pay me out. Collect your little shitty welfare check that barely, that barely 
fucking covers your rent. Then what? You spend your days sitting around smoking cigarettes, going to coffee shops, talking nonsense. I got a bum deal. Life's so tough. This is mega important stuff. It's like... And finding your way through it. That's also a art in itself. So I thank you very much for listening, folks. I thank you very much for listening, folks. Um, this is going to be a two-parter. I'm going to have to get back to y'all. I didn't realize how important this was. Um, you know, I guess that's why there's such popularity in business content online. You go on YouTube. You go on the internet. There's a lot of interesting content and there's a hunger for this discussion and knowledge so i want to break down the situation that i recently went through as um, a new production company venture noi productions as an essential worker the situation that happened and how i came to realize i needed to quit that job and what i'm looking for moving forward and how this is relatable to any business and how this is relatable to everyone and how this is important. If you want to get anywhere in life physically, financially, and most importantly, spiritually, if you want to get anywhere in life, you got to think about these things. And it's not to say you have to master them, you know? My whole bag isn't to be the best this, the best that, make the most money, prove something to anybody, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I just want to be the best version of me for me, add value to others, and enjoy my work. Enjoy my time. Enjoy my days. And you got to fight for that, folks, because it's not just going to be handed to you. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent May 31st in the year of our Lord, 2021. Fuck, I got homework. You assholes made me do homework. You know, I'm going to get down to this. I'm going to get to the bottom of this, folks. You know? Yo, business. The essential nature of work for everyone in every aspect of the word. Work. I'm going to get to the bottom of this, folks. I got homework for next week. Stay tuned. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, yanathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, if you're digging the show, folks, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. You live it. You love it. You realize it. Alrighty? Peace.